uh, I have loved to phrase it that we're going from design doing, design thinking, and going to design being. Welcome to The Sociable Kitchen, a podcast by Quick. I'm Julie Broberg. We've come to the final episode of our first podcast series on Danish design. We've had a look at the Danish design tradition from its heyday in the middle of the last century through to more recent attempts to define the Danish design DNA to co-creation, which today's Danish design is especially good at. We've looked at why Danish design has resulted in so many beautiful chairs and made an argument for textiles taking their rightful place in the tradition. And now it's time to turn to where Danish design is headed. Something that designer Lars Thurson mentioned in my first interview was that he thinks of any design project as a matter of tinke, teine, teste. Translated to English, that's think, draw, and test. But it just sounds better in Danish. But the notion is a good one. It's about iterating your designs, thinking them through, drawing them out, then testing them, and then starting all over again. That made sense for the tradition, and it still makes good sense when you think about going forward. So wherever Danish design is headed, it will surely continue to tinge, tine, tiste. The Confederation of Danish Industry is suggesting an entirely new policy around Danish design. This is because their research shows that 81% of Danish companies believe that design strengthens their brand. The suggested policy is rooted in Danish design as a process and moving away from it just being about the chairs and the lamps. We spoke with Lisa Thompson about the initiative. I, I think that actually we do have a, uh, a lot of communication work to do <laughs> uh, before we get... Uh, you cannot request something that you don't know of. And if you think that design is about a chair or a product, mm -hmm. then a lot of people say, well, that has nothing to do with me. Right. So, so uh, we'll have to... <laughs> spread the word about design as a process as well and a process that uh, will help us reach a, a result that we can all be proud of and we can all be a part of and it will take a little longer than if somebody says well we'll have to do this and this and that but it will the process will help us and the results will be more robust. If you look at design as a process, then you have a number of experts that know a lot about a, a certain area. And then if you give them a design insight so that they understand how to bring in the whole value chain, how to mm. make the research, how to uh, include Who to include. Yeah, who and what and how to answer the questions. And because they have this deep dive understanding into a certain area, we will give them the ability to work uh, across the value chain with a design education. So education is certainly a part of it. So the Confederation of Danish Industry is pushing for a comprehensive new design policy in Denmark. Today's Danish design is less about beautiful objects, though it still results in beautiful objects at times, and more about process and putting together the right team to solve the challenges at hand. 
One of the challenges at hand is how we can recycle, repurpose, and revalue materials and move from linear to circular production. As the world undertakes a green transformation, thinking in the environmental impact of products and services companies create from the very beginning is key. According to the Confederation of Danish Industry, 80% of the environmental impact of a product is due to decisions taken during the design phase. If we want to move from linear to circular products, we have to make it a part of the design process, and we have to invite the right people to the table. We asked Lerke Ruhm, the young designer who you met in our last episode, what she's working on right now. We thought this would give us the best insight into where Danish design is headed. You just graduated, as you said, like a year ago. So you have a really fresh perspective on Danish design and where it's heading and where you see it going. And and I'm just curious about about what, what do you think about that? What are you working on? Right now I'm working on three different projects. So I have a lot going on. I'm currently working on two upholstered chairs for an exhibition next week where I'm weaving the upholstery myself uh, out of leftover or like um, thrown out uh, jeans. So jeans with uh, holes on the knees or stuff like this. Um, So repurposing. So repurposing and uh, revaluing discarded material that would otherwise have gone to the landfill or to the... Yeah, burning facility. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really interesting project for yeah an exhibition next week. And then I'm working on an aluminum bench where I'm working with, uh, actually working with the story of the wood, but transferred onto the aluminum. So I'm trying to trace wooden grain structure onto the surface of the aluminum, uh, which is uh, a really exciting project that I'm looking forward to getting a little closer to finished with. Yeah, and then I'm also currently working on a dining table for uh, Copenhagen Contemporary, which is this... Oh, uh, I know that. Uh, yeah, the, the exhibition space. Exactly, in, okay. yeah. Uh, together with uh, Dinas, and we are going to make uh, yeah, a shop out there. And oh, cool. yeah, I'm doing this dining table out of their leftover materials from their production. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So their flooring production has these off cuts to keep certain lengths of the planks and right. that's okay. that's a really nice material to be working with. Okay, so, so again repurposing that exactly. material. Yeah. Dinesen is a Danish company that's been making quality wood flooring since 1898. They're owned today by the fifth generation of the same family. So Lerke is working with offcuts of their flooring materials to make the table. For me, part of the process when I'm designing is the connection to the material. So the understanding that I get when I'm I'm working with it, I'm testing things out uh, myself, that's of huge importance to my process when designing to like almost have a dialogue with the materials. That was the way it was throughout the tradition. I think uh, I think you're I think right. Yeah. Hans Wiener, he also knew how to. So so for, there's yeah for sure that is carrying on the tradition yeah. for sure. Yeah, but maybe it's uh, what's new is 
looking at repurposing materials. I don't know if they were they were exploring new possibilities of new materials back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, and new processes around them. Yeah. I think I think there is still uh, going like an investigation of new materials like into the whole biomaterial perspective of things and so so I I think that's still something that is going on but it's it's a long process because what they were um, what they were investigating was wood and how to use that in different ways and now we are talking biomaterials and that's something that it, that can be a little bit challenging because it takes a long time to see how are the durability of the materials and stuff like this so yeah right like what kind of what do you mean by biomaterials what what kind of yeah um it can be different composite materials um with with different uh, natural binders so yeah, so taking, for example, wooden dust and then, yeah, together with... Um, and put it, making a bind and then molding it, for exactly. example. I've seen, I've seen some things yeah. doing that. Yeah, and oh, also okay. it's also something that the companies are doing. For example, Quadrat is doing it with their really plates that are this um, fibers from textile. And okay. then they're compressing it to create these furniture boards that you can make, yeah, tables and stuff like this ah, out of. Okay, yeah. cool. Quadrat really is more Danish design at its best, looking into ways to recycle discarded textiles into long-lasting, beautiful products. They're moving the boundaries on transitioning from linear to circular design, and that's definitely part of where Danish design is headed. But back to the conversation with Lerke. There's kind of a lot of repurposing of things going on. For sure, yeah. 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 And is that where things are headed or do you think we're just getting more? It's like we had a really, we didn't have a hot summer in Denmark, but I mean, it is actually people are realizing that we have a climate problem and we need to do something. So do you think that that's why there's an increased interest in it or? I think it's a difficult question to yeah, yeah to yeah. answer. Yeah. Um, yeah, but hopefully it's occurring to people that there's going to need to be made a change yeah. and that we need to be aware of how we create, when we create. Um, so, yeah, and it's a nice way to look at the leftover material or the material that has been thrown out and to see how can we revaluing or repurposing these these things so they get a longer lifespan so we don't always assume that everything is like virgin material or like brand new, um, but that it also... For me, it can also be a really nice framework for my for my work, like um, a starting point that can be uh, this leftover or that really creates also inspiration and can take projects and to another place that I didn't imagine, but right, but right. but really give some inspiration. Can Danish design do something that? that makes it like uniquely suited to all the challenges that we face. Do we think it's do we think it's that great? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it won't solve all the problems, no. but I think the way that we work with design in Denmark, the um, the use of minimal materials but and the yeah, I, and and also just the respect for the material, I think, is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. 
um, not to just uh, overuse and just uh, so. But let's let's see. I I think there are going to be drastic uh, changes that needs to be done all over. I don't think it's can it can be isolated to no, to no. just one sector or yeah. No, no, not for sure. But yeah. but but I I think Danish design has the capability of contributing to yeah. like a way of thinking, a way to uh, handle materials, a way to respect the resources, and so and so a way of looking way. at process. As exactly, well, I think. Um, and I keep uh, I keep thinking that it's like really tied to Danish culture, and yeah. this this sort of flat organizational structure, like that everybody has a say, and you can speak up. Even if you're, you know, you can you can talk to the CEO, you can talk to the head designer, you can talk to. There's something about that that I think maybe something special that yeah that others should learn from and exactly <laughs> run yeah. forward with yeah yeah that it's more than just the the actual physical products, but the maybe the whole way of thinking around it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. As we mentioned with Quadrat, really. Companies are increasingly thinking about transitioning from linear to circular design. This means that they're looking at the entire life cycle of their products, not only how they're manufactured, but how they will be recycled when they have served their purpose. Danish Industries survey indicates that 33% of companies are already working on this, and for the majority of those, it means new ways of collaborating with their suppliers. We asked Suna Kims, a designer who was part of developing the Danish design DNA, where he thinks Danish design is headed. So where is it going from there? So, What's yeah, next? so what yeah. happens that uh, seen from a design doing perspective, we created these incompetence clusters <laughs> of, of uh, design thinkers, but not being able to, to, do, a design, to do it. To do design themselves. Uh, okay. Uh, that might so, actually be true yeah. in a way, right? So I think what Next step is to uh, to, to combine it, yeah. yeah. And uh, what does that look yeah, like? How do we do I that? Have that yeah. <laughs> I love to phrase it that we're going from design doing, design thinking, and going to design being. Ah, uh, so it's right. part of how we live and how we think, and how we are in the world. So we are in everything we do, user oriented, user centric. Yeah. Uh, Learning by doing, co-creating. Uh, uh, so it's it's part of how we raise our children, how we talk to each other, how we mm. do politics. Perm- permeates. Yeah. The... So, yeah. So so, uh, and that includes the aesthetic, and is and and includes that uh, f- from the very first point that we also. M- and maybe we have to combine making people want things and making things people want. Yeah. Because yeah. we have to use both push and pull and both the irrational and rational. Mm. Uh, so we can also, as designers, instead of convincing people of going this or that way, creating a... Uh, a possible future, and then we join that. We want to be part of that yeah. because we have the ability to not only uh, 
dream futures, but also visualize them or make them tangible in a way that you actually can emotionally relate to them. Uh, so I think that, that we as designers should take that responsibility. Uh, but it's, 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 it's not going to be our personal utopia or mm -hmm. our dream. It has to be a, a collective dream. That seems like the perfect note to end this, our first series on Danish design. These conversations I've had over the past six months or so have been enlightening and thought-provoking, and I hope you agree. If it's even possible to make predictions, Danish design definitely seems to be heading in the direction of even more focus on materials and repurposing and recycling and revaluing them and thinking the lifetime of the product into the designs from the beginning. It's moving from linear to circular design. I've been thinking about the way that the business decisions that companies make inevitably push other companies. Just an example. A few years ago, Danish shipping giant Maersk took a big step on their environmental journey when they ordered their first methanol-driven container ships. At the time they did it, it wasn't clear where the methanol would come from. But that decision has accelerated the development by other companies. A company called European Energy is building a power-to-X facility near Obenro here in Denmark to use solar and wind power to make methanol for Maersk's ships. It has a knock-on effect on a whole chain of other companies. That methanol will need to be stored in tanks at the port of Obenro so that the new methanol ships can call there and refuel. So there needs to be a tank terminal there. And so on and so on down the whole supply chain. Or from our own business. When we decided to convert all our foiled kitchen fronts to recycled PET a few years ago, we could have done so for only select designs. Instead, we decided that we had to go all in, even though there were only a few sources of the foils that we needed. Now, just about three years later, we have the supply of recycled PET that we need for our full range in all the colors that we need. A strategic decision in one company pushes others towards a more sustainable future and enables us to provide our customers with a great story they can tell their friends about how many plastic bottles they save from landfills and oceans with their new kitchen. Because we can actually calculate that number for every kitchen we sell. It just shows that Suna is right. The dream has to be collective. And as we've seen, Danish design is rooted in a culture and a way of thinking that can play a big role in pushing the transition to a more circular way of thinking and manufacturing and doing business. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back before you know it with a whole new series exploring sustainability. So please do hit subscribe to get notified when the new episodes hit our feed. This episode of The Sociable Kitchen was produced by me, Julie Broberg, and sound engineer, Maunus Vell. Special thanks to everyone who appeared in this episode. Lisa Thompson from the Confederation of Danish Industry, furniture designer Lerke Ruhm, and Suna Kims from the Danish Design Council. Additional recordings were done at Mastertone Studio and Hear Hear Studio in Copenhagen. Our logo was created by our own graphic designer, Helle Kroh, Our theme music was created for Quick by Lucas Lunersko. We are produced at Feedback Studio in the old meatpacking district near the harbor in Aarhus. <laughs>